Hello everyone, I am Alex Majorana. And I'm Sydney Lynch. And this is Little Known Tracks. This week we talk to Grant Moretti of aggressively dreamy band Shangri-La. When he isn't in the kitchen trying to fix his burning roux, he's on his couch watching oddly specific genres of movies. While their debut LP focused more on storytelling, it was a developmental experience that helped shape his overall writing style. Their most recent single, Pop and Jay, was an homage to the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Brian Wilson, written as a stream of consciousness. They plan to release several EPs, the first of which aiming to be out by the end of this year. Without further ado, Bukowski by Shangri-La. Yeah. 
Grant Moretti of Shangri-La, thank you so much for being on with us today. Thank you for having me. The first thing that we wanted to talk to you a little bit about was cooking. So give us just a brief rundown of what your cooking looks like and how you started. Um. Yeah, I okay. I uh, I didn't really get into it that much until like I think maybe two years ago or something and uh my girlfriend and I we just like start we found this one guy Brian Lagerstrom on YouTube and he makes a bunch of recipes and we were like why don't we try it and it started with like pastas and stuff but then I mean we worked up to like making our own bagels and um just uh I think that's probably like the most advanced thing but we did like a shrimp etouffee like a lot of fun stuff but um nothing, what does that mean? nothing too complicated <laughs> no that sounded, yeah that sounded complicated what does that mean I, it's just like i think it's just like a cajun dish. i don't know too much oh. behind it it's just kind of like uh cajun kind of like shrimp and uh rice it's, like, oh, okay. it's french it can only go one of That's two ways <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> so like those things, like the the shrimp etouffee and whatever else you're making, mm-hmm. um, are you strictly following recipes or are you kind of like throwing shit together, like experimenting a little bit? Yeah, much more, much more the latter. It's it's just kind of like we'll try it. Like I'll try and stick to it, but like you know, if it starts going awry, I'm just gonna try and save it with whatever I got around me. <laughs> so, yeah. I feel like that's a talent in itself because we talk about cooking. I always say this is a music podcast for first, cooking podcast second, because it's such like a, a common hobby that everybody just like loves to cook. Um, but like being able to follow a recipe versus being able to um, just like throw shit together and be like, no, this will work. And like having that plan kind of before you start doing it is a talent in itself, which I find yeah. very impressive because I'm very much a recipe by the book need the measurements like I don't have that um so was that something that when you started cooking it was like oh we'll go by the recipe and then just see what the vibes are or were you just like oh we can throw this together and just do it that way yeah definitely it was definitely like I mean anytime I do it it's usually just trying to follow the recipe as much as I can but like I mean I guess if it if if the ship starts going down that's when it starts deviating but like other than that I'll just stick with uh, whatever the recipe calls for basically so that's when it start. You start. Yeah, yeah. Spit on it. <laughs> if it starts yeah, going yeah. bad. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Got it. So how do you, when following a recipe, how do you determine when it starts looking bad, and like, what is it that you do? Like, what are the things that you might do to start to like save it? Um, I don't really know. I mean, there's so many times I've had to just start over. Frankly, which like, there's no harm in that, but uh. Like I can think off the top of my head, the first time I tried to like make a roux, it just it just yeah. it was like <laughs> dark brown. It just I completely burned the butter. So when you're when you're burning roux, do you decide to just like throw some other shit in there? Like, do you like throw some wine in there um, with a little bit more butter, like anything? Yeah, or do yeah. you just oh, go yeah, fuck it, let's start over? You try, yeah, you try and salvage it, but. I would say like 95% of the time it's unsalvageable and you got to restart. But like, of course you get it. Yeah. In the moment you see it and you're like, Oh, it's starting to go. It's starting to go a little too dark. Like, what do I do? And then you just, yeah, throw in whatever you can. <laughs> and then hopefully, I mean, I'm pretty sure I've, it's bound to have happened where I've, I've salvaged something like that before. But, uh, usually I, th- I think it's more just like with spices and stuff. Like when you're, um, doing it that way, it's just kind of like, I, I used to be really bad with um, being able to tell what was missing. Sure. 
like I think some people have like a gift where they can just tell like oh that needs you know this spice or this spice um I'm certainly not one of those people I definitely had to like repetition over and over and then get used to like okay this is what you know uh turmeric adds into a dish and uh so now I kind of have a better grasp of like knowing what is and isn't there but I'm still far from anything you know great it's just it's just nice to be able to um make like actual pasta instead of you know easy mac for a change <laughs> entirely Love fair. It. yeah it's a hard thing <laughs> it's a hard thing to do um now the other thing that you um said that you enjoyed was a uh, film so talk to us a little bit about that like what kind of mm -hmm. is it like standard movie or are you into also french films you know like what's the <laughs> um <laughs> french i i don't i haven't forayed into that too much i've seen a a handful um I kind of just go through phases, uh, you know, of like micro obsessions is kind of how I like to put it. Um, I think the last one I had, I, I got into like a really old uh, movies kind of obsession a while back. And I was watching, um, trying to think of like some of the ones. I watched like M by Fritz Lang, um, which is, I think, one of the first films to use sound, if I'm not mistaken. But what I, I took a film course in... Uh, when I when I went to community college and my that was on one of the things that like my professor had recommended or something so I figured like why not double back to it and um, yeah he had he made some points it was a great movie but um, I don't know I think it's more just kind of like going through whatever I went through like a Korean uh, psych thriller phase and um, thinking before that I I I used to when I was younger like to I I like to watch like a bunch of movies from the same director. Um, cause I liked doing actor stuff for a while when I was like really little. And then when I found out that like, they weren't the ones really making the movie, it was more like a director's type of thing. Um, I started going towards that. So I, I, I kind of like just wanted to knock a bunch of people out and mm -hmm. I, I did a while ago. And then like, I think, you know, they're still making movies. So I, I was like, oh, I've seen all of them. And then like, you know, my friend's like, did you see that new Paul Thomas Anderson and I was like nope and then they're like did you see the other one and I'm like nope now I'm like four films behind on his <laughs> his uh filmography but yeah so what's your current obsession right now um I actually I haven't watched too many movies just uh like leading up to the move mm, that I've that I've sense. done I think I, it just kind of uh dwindled I think the last one I started was Persona from the 60s and um, I didn't finish it, but I'm very intrigued to see how it ends and like what goes on in there. Um, yeah, I think the last obsession I had was probably the, either the Korean psych thriller thing or the, or the like sort of noir movies like the M and I think Maltese Falcon was another one I watched and, uh, just like that kind of, I guess, thirties, forties, black and white type of vibe. There are very specific genres that you get into, it sounds like. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, I, I mean, I guess I like when I was younger, I kind of just threw a broad net. And then now I'm kind of like, I've watched all these, what do I find? And I like try and find like tight little niches to, to get into. So Now, I think it is absolutely insane that you started watching a movie and did not finish it and are just like waiting. Oh, yeah. Is that something you normally yeah. <laughs> do? 
No, never. Absolutely not. No, I was, I was extremely tired. That is, that is, yeah, that is actually like actually insane of someone to do. And I understand why you're calling me out on it. Um, like, but, do you think about it constantly that you just haven't seen the end of it? No, 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 no. I, I, I barely got into it. So I, I, I think I, I think I misconstrued like what I was trying to say. I started it, I got like five minutes in and then I was like, my eyes just could not stay sure. open. And I was like, oh, Oh my God, I got to go to bed. So I just went to bed and I was like, I'll watch it tomorrow. And then tomorrow turned into a week and then a week turned into a month. And then here we are. Yeah. So. I really thought You're you were like, you about a movie. I was halfway no, through no. this movie and I was like, you know what? I'll save it for later. No, 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 no. That is, I can't think of a more ludicrous way to watch movies than that. So watch them in 30 minute segments. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that would be, oh wild. my God. But you know what? I mean, I guess it's their own, but. It's kind of like doing it's make your own TV yeah. in a way. If you do that, I guess you kind of like section it up. I'm not about to start doing it. Don't worry. But Sid, there you go. That's what it would kind of be like. I, that's how you can watch no. movies. <laughs> no. If I watch a movie, I'm going to be forced to watch the whole movie. Because if I watch segments, I won't watch the whole thing. Um. Anyways, besides all that. <laughs> Um, let's talk about yeah (laughs) let's do let's do that you watch like this very broad array of of films do do any of them have like any sort of like influence on the way that you make or write music because i feel like if you are consuming this like art form to this extent something's gotta seep in there some way or another right yeah, definitely. Um, the Our first album that we did actually was, uh, I had like an idea on my way home from, I was working at ShopRite at the time, shout out. Um, <laughs> I was driving home from it and I had like an idea and then I had like this, basically I like funneled it together where it was like, what if you did an album as kind of a screenplay type vibe? So I'm, I'm sure it's it's been done, you know, countless times before because um yeah, it's but basically it just took on like this narrative and then um I kind of like envisioned it as a movie almost and then each track sort of kind of started writing itself almost cuz it was like I had I guess like an outline for, you know, track 1 this happens, track 2 this happens and you know all these things so like writing the lyrics and um writing the lyrics and and just the songs overall, I think ended up being a little easier because they were kind of forced to conform to this thing. Um, But yeah, even, even beyond something like that, it's definitely like um, there's certain movies that have kind of um, that have definitely, I can't think of any off the top of my head, of course, you know, when you're on the spot, but um, there are definitely countless movies that have influenced me and made me like think about something slightly different and then I explored that through the artistic way that I know how you know what I mean um so yes to answer your question like all the time all the time yes so it sounds like in that writing process the element of storytelling was really important to the flow of the tracks and everything is that something that you look to when you're writing music you know in your normal writing process is the element of storytelling Mm -hmm. for a song um not so much. I think when I was younger and, and when um, the first album was coming together, I had spent a lot of my um, 
a lot of my youth trying to write, you know, songs that I guess maybe felt like a little more marketable or something like that. And, you know, like love songs or just songs about that are like, you know, ideas that have been done over and over and over, like, let's have a good time, you know, like that kind of stuff, just, you know, youthful ignorance, I guess. And um, I think I, I started to kind of resent it, mostly because I was struggling with writing like that. Like it, it was, it was ultimately um, not sincere. So it just like, that's why it wasn't good, <laughs> basically. Um, and I kind of used that format to force myself to write you know about two strangers that had an encounter you know this one evening and it and it like it helped me basically kind of separate myself from the writing process and um just kind of write almost fiction rather than nonfiction. and um yeah so it was definitely just like a a capsule of the time though since then I've kind of took what I learned from there and started applying it to like personal stuff and, and moved onward. So, yeah. Now that feels like an interesting way to kind of like develop, uh, your writing as a whole. Talk to us a little bit about mm -hmm. how that started, I guess. Like when did you start writing and what were some of the first things that you were writing that got you to that point where you were able to start making those distinctions? I started writing, well, when I was like really, like I was saying, when I was really young, I was trying to do like the love story thing and all that, you know, I had like a crush in high school and I was trying to write a girl a song kind of vibe. Um, and I didn't really write that often. Um, I, I was much more interested, I think, in like learning instruments during that time period. And I'll never forget someone, someone I knew um, who uh, was just kind of like a like a passerby in life almost um he just he he said something that stuck with me and it was just that like the importance of writing your own music he was basically just he just kind of stressed that with uh with like a couple things he said to me once and um it stuck with me so i i think because like i wanted to do the instruments you know all the way and then um just like you know master them as much as i could and just not pay attention to songwriting whatsoever and I don't know, I just switched one day, I think, and uh, I just became much more interested in like, I think it's a lot harder to write a good song. Like, even if it's just something like poppy and catchy, like, you know, I guess this goes back to like, I people, some people, some people think that pop music is, uh, I guess, watered down and vapid and there's nothing there. You know, it's it's like a common thing, I think at least that I've seen. Um, and I think that's very, uh, I guess, opposite to what I think. Because, like, writing a song like, you know, a Call Me Maybe or something like that, um, I think is infinitely harder than doing, like, just something that you've, like, a scale that you've worked on for 20 years. You know what I mean? I think, I think that is, um, I think that's an interesting... Um, like maybe not necessarily comparison, but an interesting observation to make uh, for yourself in that, like, uh, it is harder to write pop songs and like, what, uh, kind of, uh, do you gather from that, I guess? And like, what is your, um, like style of writing now? Like, obviously we're not writing like pop songs. 
Uh, but what is it that mm-hmm. you're writing and like, what is it that you want to be writing? I guess. I think it's kind of moved into, I like the pop elements being there and, and they definitely play a part um, in the writing and um, especially the structure. Um, when I'm, when I'm writing a song, I tend to pay the most attention to arrangement more than anything else. Um, and yeah, I think, I think it's definitely, I, I just kind of want to write something that's odd, but still catchy. You know, I think that's the, the, the main thing. Cause like, if you have the uniqueness, but you still have it like getting caught in the listener's ear, I think that's the most important thing or not important thing, but like to me, I guess, as, as a writer and like what I want to do to, to answer your question. Um, so just like, yeah. And like, you know, I like things that sound spooky. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and yeah, uh, incorporating that kind of thing in there and, um, just like various, I guess I like description words of genres rather than genres, if that makes more sense. Like, you know, someone might say surf music, but I'm much more fascinated by like how like the guitar sounds like it's underwater. Yeah. You know, rather than like the actual the characteristics overall of... vibe of yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um and just yeah, I think I think it's kind of just that and um I really I've always been fascinated by like the wall of sound kind of vibes, so like shoegaze and just anything that just fills up the speakers as much as it can. Um I think the real trick lately for me has been trying to do that to balance that with still being able to make things cut. Um, and like, cause you know, most of, most of the things I've kind of like mixed on my own and everything, like all the little demos, um, for future stuff we have, it's just, there's always like the vocals are too low or, you know, the guitars are too loud or all that kind of thing. So it's, it's, it's definitely, um, I think I'm starting to pay more attention, um, lately, as a songwriter to production elements like that, um, which is good. So I've been, I've been kind of like, that's another thing that I've been trying to get into basically um, to circle back to your question. (laughs) No, that's great. And I feel like talking about a description of music and you have coined your music aggressively dreamy, Mm. like in your Instagram and in your bios. And I think that's a great way to describe the way your music is because when you think of that i feel like you know exactly what that sounds like even yeah. if you haven't heard it before so how did you yeah. guys come to terms with that description of your music i think it was just something um it was something i thought of i i, I think we as a band were kind of feeling a bit out of place not in like the community sense because like everyone in baltimore and philly that we've dealt with have been pretty much for the most part, like the nicest people on planet earth. Um, it's been lovely in that sense, but just sonically, um, I think we've felt kind of, um, more so in Baltimore, I think, um, just felt kind of slightly out of place. Like we're in line with the other people that we would play with, but just something is slightly different. And, you know, to, to some people that might be to some listeners, that's great to some, it's just not their cup of tea, which is good. But, uh, or which is fine, but um, I think we started trying to kind of like reflect on what we really were, and we're a lot of kind of just like middle child type vibes, where it's like we're influenced by shoegaze, but we're clearly not like a shoegaze band, and you know we're influenced by 
hardcore bands, but we're not even remotely a hardcore band. And just all those differences were this, but not that type of vibe led us to kind of trying to figure out a way to, I think, succinctly describe to people what we sound like. And um, I think because of the shoegaze and the dreaminess, we wanted the dreamy in there. And then, um, you know, we still have other songs where we, you know, just lean on the the harder influences and still wanted that to kind of reflect and show. So. So let's talk a little bit about uh, the most recent release, Pop and Jay. Uh, just talk to us a little bit about the writing and recording process for that song and just what it's about. Just give us the rundown. Um, yeah, so that was a um, it was a an interesting foray. It's, it was the first time we did everything by ourselves, um, like from start to finish, um, with the exception of mastering. Um, shout out to Aaron Reagan. He did the mastering for that song. But everything else was like we were in our basement. We just did everything. So, um, yeah, um, it's um, it's kind of just a lovely. I'm a I'm a, a very big uh, Chili Peppers and specifically John Frusciante fan. Um, so it was just kind of like the song more or less was a love letter to him and also um, uh, Brian Wilson. I'm a big Beach Boys fan too. So it was kind of like combining the two of them. Um, and yeah, it doesn't really, uh, that's one of the, there's a handful of songs that um, I've written for us that just like don't really have too much actual meaning, which um I personally, I like that kind of thing. I like the stream of consciousness just flow. Um, but yeah, um, it was, it was an interesting challenge though. Definitely. Like, um, so we, like I said, we, we, you know, recorded, produced, mixed, everything was done in house. So that was the first time we did it. And, uh, it's something we're going to hopefully continue doing with like the EPs we're going to try and put out. Um, and you know, it was, a, it was a good learning process, I think, more than anything else. So what are you going to take from this process when you start recording those EPs that, you know, you're looking forward to or you're looking forward to doing a little bit differently now that you had the information from this process? Um, I think it was uh, probably more than anything else, just don't overthink things is what I kind of learned with that. And um because on the first album, when I did that, uh, did that with a friend of mine, also in like a basement, <laughs> but uh, he knows infinitely more about uh, like tracking and recording and stuff than I do. So um, it was a sort of semi-professional setup. But when we were doing that, I had ideas and I kept doing like overdubs and so many different things. And um, I think with this one, it was kind of like, um, I want to capture more of the room sound and make it feel what it's like to actually be there rather than kind of like a polished final product. Um, so I think like the EPs we have already tracked them um, and they're slowly being mixed. <laughs> um, it takes ages uh, for me to just get motivated to do it. But um, I think the, the thing about, about, that I learned kind of to, as to what you were saying was just don't overthink it and then kind of combine that polished thing from the front, as well as that capturing the room and kind of raw grittiness that's in there um, and trying to find like a hybrid. So that's, that's what's in store for the EPs. 
Yeah, that's super exciting. Um, and you said you have a lot of stuff tracked for mm-hmm. uh, what's coming next. What can you tell us, like, outside of, like, what you've said, like, trying to keep room tone and stuff, like, sonically and uh, writing-wise, what is that going to look like? Is it going to be similar to Pop and Jay in that kind of stream of consciousness, or is it going to be a little bit more uh, direct in what it is? So the EPs started off as a way overly ambitious second album, like follow-up album idea. Um, and I was kind of doing also like a hybrid of kind of the stream of consciousness, but like slightly putting in um, things just more here and there. So it's kind of like splattering almost like, I guess, like a Jackson Pollock painting or something, just throwing in actual meaning in just a maze of, um, you know, nonsense. Uh, so I think that that's kind of more the vibe. There's basically, it's just kind of, I think it's more song by song. Um, cause some of the songs definitely, uh, lean one way or the other, basically where it's like, they, they, um, they either have, you know, the stream of consciousness with a little bit of meaning or it's like, okay, this is firmly what the meaning is. And then there's like a handful of lines that are just kind of ambiguous, um, like left purposely ambiguous, I guess. So is there a rough timeline for this project, this EP coming out? Is there any kind of, you know, time that we can expect it? Or is it still in the process of, you know, being made and that'll come at a later date? It's, um, so it's, it's still definitely up in the air, but the goal that we're kind of trying to work with is we want to get at least one of the EPs out before the end of the year. Um, we have, um, I think five in total, but they're all like three song EPs. Cause like I said, it, it started with like the album ideas. So we've just, that's a lot of music. Yeah. That's a lot of music. We, we basically, we had all these songs and, and, um, I, the album started as like, we, I, I think I ended up writing about like 30 in total. Um, but like so many of them were just like not up to par. So it's just like cutting and cutting and cutting. And, um, myself and, uh, uh, Shangri-La's new member who's joining me in Chicago in about a week's time, shout out Drew. Um, he and I kind of whittled it down to what it is going to be. So, um, like I said, I think we, we cut it down and preferred to do the EPs instead of an album. Cause it's just kind of like, uh, it seems like releases are kind of going back towards that style rather than the albums. Um, so yeah, I think, I think we just wanted to kind of have a batch of stuff that we could have ready to consistently release. Cause that's one thing that we struggle with is like, we have all these things that are written and they're like tracked demo wise, but like just actually getting it to the finish line takes just so long <laughs> so it like yeah I, I basically i think it's just kind of like sectioning and off so it's a little more manageable yeah small yeah. batches and it'll yeah. all get there so yes. you know Hopefully. that's <laughs> um no that is super exciting and definitely looking forward to all of the eps that you guys end up releasing in whatever time frame y'all got um super excited to to hear them um, Sydney, did you have any other questions for Grant? 
So where can we find and follow you guys online and listen to all of your music? Um, we are on like all of the standard um, streaming services. Um, we have a band camp, which uh, I believe everything for us, you can find at Shangri-La MD because um, we started out in Maryland. Uh, but, no, it's because yeah, you guys are doctors. <laughs> yes, we, we've made that joke so many times. Alex made it earlier. It I got to give him credit. Like, <laughs> once out of every four. It, it still makes us laugh. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah. Your next show, you guys um, should have like yeah, coats and stethoscopes. <laughs> yeah. Really play it up. There we yeah. go. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, basically any any um, like Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all those things, Shangri-La MD, um, our website, ShangriLaMD.com. Um, I think our band camp is also Shangri-La MD. If it's not, I should definitely change it. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure it is. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much everywhere. I think you can find us. Um, yeah, hopefully coming to a city near you if we can get another tour going but <laughs> we'll see once again Graham Reddy, Shangri-La uh, thank you so much for being on with us tonight it's been a pleasure talking to you thank you very much for having me thank you thank you for listening to Little Known Tracks if you or a loved one want to be featured send us an email at littleknowntrackspodcast at gmail.com also, feel free to follow us over on Twitter and Instagram at LKTPod for more information about the podcast when episodes come out and occasionally giveaways and things of that nature. Thank you again for listening. See you next week.